respecting authority in the home and beyond. Would you stand for the reading of God's Word, please? Verse 12, Exodus 20. If you're a guest of ours this morning, we've been going through a Sunday morning series on the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Father, as we come before your presence this morning, first of all, we want to honor you. You're our heavenly father. And you're a perfect father. And as we have sung today, you're a good, good father. We thank you for your kindness and your benevolence. We thank you for our earthly parents. Lord, we know they weren't perfect. Only perfect children can criticize imperfect parents. We thank you for their love, their guidance their heart for us, how they wanted to see us succeed and prosper in life, how they wanted us to know you through your son Jesus. We do want to honor our parents. For those who can't because their parents are gone, Lord, I pray that they would, at bare minimum, honor the memory of their parents. We pray for parents that you would give us guidance to lead our children in the way that they should go. Speak to us today through your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to put a quote up on the screen. One man complained, Youth today love luxury. They have bad manners, contempt for authority, no respect for older people, and talk nonsense when they should work. Young people do not stand up any longer when adults enter the room. They contradict their parents, talk too much in company, guzzle their food, lay their legs on the table, and tyrannize their elders. Who do you think said those words? Socrates, 400 years before the time of Christ. Socrates. Listen to how Philip Ryken of Wheaton College introduces this particular commandment. He said, some historians believe that a significant shift... And American attitudes toward authority took place in the 1960s. It was a decade of anti-establishment. Young people were anti-business, anti-government, anti-military, and anti-school. But of all the institutions that came under attack, perhaps the most significant was the family. Annie Gottlieb is one of many participants who identify the 60s as the generation that destroyed the American family. She writes, we might not have been able to tear down the state, but the family was closer. 
we could get our hands on it. And we believe that the family was the foundation of the state as well as the collective state of mind. We truly believe that the family had to be torn apart to free love, which alone could heal the damage done when the atom was split to release energy. And the first step was to tear ourselves free from our parents. Now, folks, what makes her analysis so chilling is the connection that she makes between the family and the state. She's right in a sense. The way to destroy a nation is to destroy the family. And one of the foundational stones to destroy in a family is to undermine parenthood in any way possible. God's plan for preserving the family calls for the fifth commandment. Now, in the first message, I spoke to you about the two tablets of stone. Some believe that the commandments having to do with our relationship to God were on the first stone, first stone tablet. And those having to do with our relationship to other people were on the second tablet. Now, actually, this may not be the way it was done at all because of ancient customs, the way they would do ancient covenants. The leading party would have a copy for himself, and then a copy would be given to his subjects. And so in all likelihood, it may be that all Ten Commandments were written on each tablet. And God was saying, essentially, I'm going to keep my end of the covenant, so I'm going to have a tablet for myself, and here's your tablet, and they were both to be placed in the ark. Whether this is the case or not, the commandments deal with the vertical and the horizontal. The vertical being our relationship with God and the horizontal being our relationship with others. Folks, it is no wonder that Jesus on one occasion in Matthew 22 when he was asked, Teacher, tell us what the greatest commandment is. He said the first is this, that you're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And the second commandment is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. He said on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. If you think about it, all of the commandments in the Bible that speak of the vertical relationship can be summed up By loving God with all of our hearts, all of our minds, all of our souls, and all of our strength. And all the commandments in the Bible that have to do with us respecting one another and praying for one another and loving one another have to do with loving your neighbor as yourself. Because if you're loving your neighbor as yourself, you're going to obey everything else that is on the horizontal. And so it's... Quite fitting that Jesus summed up all of the law and the prophets the way that he did. Again, what we'll see today is that God's plan for preserving the family and society and its social structures begins with honoring and respecting parents. First thing I want you to notice with me this morning is simply understanding the commandment. 
Scholars pretty well agree that the swing commandment that transitions between the vertical and the horizontal is the fifth commandment. It's like a hinge, if you will, between the two halves. Just like we are to honor God, we are to honor parents because God and parents are co-laborers together in the creation of human life. John Durham who taught at Southeastern Seminary up until the late 80s, he said, loving our neighbor starts at home. Just as the relationship with Yahweh is the beginning of the covenant, so this relationship between parents and children is the beginning of society. The inevitable point of departure for every human relationship. The first relationship beyond the relationship with Yahweh, who according to the Old Testament is the giver of life, is the relationship to father and mother, who together are channels of Yahweh's gift of life. No other human relationship is so fundamental and none is so important. Augustine once wrote asking a rhetorical question. If anyone fails to honor his parents, is there anyone that he will spare? The Protestant reformer John Calvin said the first foundation of righteousness is the worship of God. When this is overthrown, all the remaining parts of righteousness, like the pieces of a shattered and fallen building, are mangled and scattered. Apart from the fear of God, men do not preserve equity and love among themselves. And so the commandments having to do with God come first and then family second. God intends the family to be our first hospital, our first school, our first government, and our first church. This commandment says honor. The Hebrew word is kaved. And it means heavy or weighty. It's the word in the Old Testament used for the glory of God, for the weightiness of God's majesty. To honor one's parents, therefore, is to give due weight or proper weight to their position. To honor is to respect, to esteem, and value fathers and mothers as a gift from God. Parents are weighty. They're not to be treated lightly. It's become commonplace for parents to be mocked and laughed at and dismissed. But to show you how serious this was under the old covenant, listen to a couple of passages. Leviticus 20 verse 9 says, For anyone who curses his father or mother shall surely be put to death. He has cursed his father or his mother. His blood is upon him. 
In Deuteronomy 21 verse 18, the scripture says, If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and though they discipline him, will not listen to them, then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of his city at the gate of the place where he lives. Then all the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones, so you shall purge the evil from your midst and all All Israel shall hear and fear. Young people think about disobeying parents and dishonoring parents as being no big deal at all. We see in the scripture that God considers it a very big deal. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1 verse 28 to 30 that disobedience to parents is one of the sins listed demonstrating people who have rejected the truth of God's word. Paul says and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, and disobedient to parents. So again, what's Paul saying? Disobedience to parents, a sign of those who have rejected the truth of God. And then Paul also in 2 Timothy chapter 3 lists disobedience to parents as one of the sins that is going to be so predominant in the time right before Christ comes back. Paul says there, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful and unholy. Folks, think with me about how unlike Jesus Christ, this behavior is. This behavior that will characterize people in the last days. One of the very few accounts of the Lord Jesus that we have of his growing up years. We don't have many. One of the few accounts is when he went up to the temple with his parents to worship. Oftentimes, families back then, the way they were traveling distances to the temple, they would travel with other family members and people in the community in caravans. And the adults would be together talking, the children would be together talking. They get to Jerusalem and they, and they are worshiping God there. And then they get ready to leave. And Jesus must have been talking, visiting with his friends. The caravan caravan begins going back home. And all of a sudden, along the journey, Joseph and Mary notice that Jesus is not with them. They go all the way back to Jerusalem. And they find him. And Jesus said, did you not know that I must be about my father's business? And what's the scripture say? The scripture says Jesus went back with his parents, went back home, and he was subject to them. They must have disciplined him in some way. 
Now, folks, think about that. Here is the Lord of the universe. He's made everything. According to Colossians 1 and other places in the Bible, when God created the universe and all that is, he did so through the agency of the Son. So here's Jesus who's hung all the planets in their orbits, all the stars in space, all the constellations he's created, all that is. He's the Lord of the universe and he was subject to his parents. That speaks volumes, doesn't it? The one who never sinned, the one who never made a mistake, the one who never had a shortcoming in his life was subject to his parents. You see, even when you may feel that you are right and your parents are wrong, let Jesus be your example. Notice also that the Bible says we are to honor father and mother Fathers have a unique responsibility for the spiritual leadership of their families and for the material possessions of their families. Mothers have always been given the primary nurturing role in the family unit. Fathers and mothers are to be equally honored. Obviously, this rules out same-sex parenting. Fathers and mothers are to be honored. Parents should be honored because of the sacrifices that they make. Responsible parents have always gone without for the sake of their children. And so parents should be honored for these sacrifices that they've made. I think of one little boy who went to school and he was upset and he was so anxious. And his teacher said, tell me what's going on. He said, I'm so worried about what's going on at home. And they said, well, tell me about it. His teacher said, tell us about it. Is something wrong with your parents? Are they mistreating you? He said, no, my parents are wonderful. My mom and dad worked so hard to put a roof over our head, food on our, on our tables. They provide everything for us that we want and uh, for everything that we need. And for a lot of our wants, they go out of their way for us. They're wonderful providers. They love us. They take us on trips. I can't think of better parents. And the teacher said, then son, why are you so afraid? He said, I'm afraid that they're going to escape. Parents should be honored for their sacrifices. They should be honored for their experiences and, and their wisdom they offer that comes from years of experience. I heard somebody joke one time that when they were children, their, their parents were the smartest people on the face of the earth. They couldn't believe when they were teenagers how dumb their parents had become. And then when they were in their mid-twenties, they saw again how their parents had suddenly gotten a good education, become some of the smartest people in the world again. But the greatest reason of all that parents should be honored is because it glorifies God and it pleases Him. Ephesians 6.1, Paul says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. 
Colossians 3.20, he says, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. And I want you to notice it's the first commandment with a promise. That you may live long in the land. Now, does this mean if you obey your parents, you're going to live to be 100 years old? No. The expression belong in the land is a Hebrew phrase for the fullness of God's blessing. It means to have an abundant life. No child will have God's fullest blessings on their life if they are in rebellion to their parents. But even more pointed and powerful is the point that a prominent Old Testament scholar by the name of Walter Kaiser has explained. He says the promise here is really national, more so than individual. What he means by that is if the family unit breaks down, then the nation breaks down and God will scatter them in his judgment to the other nations. They will not be long in the land as the promise of this commandment states. Folks, that is exactly what Ezekiel said in Ezekiel 22. By children rebelling against their parents' authority over them and their parents' guidance, they would go on into sin that would lead to the breakdown of their family and then the breakdown of the nation, and it would cost them their very future as a nation. Ezekiel makes that precise point. Ezekiel 22 verse 7 and Ezekiel 22 verse 15 where God said he would scatter them in exile to the other nations if they disobeyed him in this regard. And folks, that's exactly what happened. That was one of the sins that became predominant in the land. Not the only one, one of the sins. Disrespect for parents and elders. Rebellion. The Assyrians came in and destroyed, utterly destroyed, the northern kingdom, the ten tribes. And then later on, the Babylonians under Nebuchadnezzar came in and took, the people of Judah, the southern kingdom, away into exile for, for 70 years. And do you realize that when they had the opportunity to come back, when Cyrus, the Persian king, issued the edict that they could go back and rebuild their land and rebuild their temple, only 50,000 went back home. Most didn't. And they were scattered to the nations of the world. Just like Ezekiel said. Folks, think of that. Think of the application to us. The breakdown of the family having a negative impact on the health of the nation. We see the Apostle Paul makes the very same application for Christians as well in Christian families as, as he quotes this commandment and says it's the first with promise. His point has the very same application. In other words, this warning here is not locked away in the past to Israel and Judah. Paul applies it to the church. 
That if Christians do not follow God's plan for the family, the family breaks down, which leads to a breakdown of the nation. Whatever nation you want to talk about, it's true across the board. As I was preaching this week, Thursday, at the men's homeless shelter over in Charlotte, it's amazing how that room full of men were so hungry. But men from all walks of life, some of them there with alcohol addictions, drug addictions, some had lost everything. And I couldn't help but think, I wonder what their family life was like growing up. Now, I'm not making a one-to-one ratio. Don't hear me doing that. I'm not saying everybody that has a bad family, the family breaks down, they're going to end up in a homeless shelter. I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying I wondered how many of those men had a family that had broken down. Parents have a tremendous job on top of the ordinary day-to-day things that we teach our children and provide for them. The number one thing in the scripture is that we are to pass down our faith. Deuteronomy 6 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. Listen to what Solomon says in Proverbs 1 and Proverbs 3, Proverbs 1.8. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. And then Proverbs 3. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. You might say that all of these passages are a commentary on the fifth commandment. Now secondly, I want you to see an implied extension of the fifth commandment. Many commentators point out how by way of extension we are to honor all authority in our lives. We're told in the Bible, we're told in the New Testament explicitly that all authority where they're in the Family, whether in the church, whether in the government, comes from God and is to be honored and respected as such. Folks, where is it that we first learn about respecting authority? Where do we learn that? We learn it in the home. I read some time ago about some parents who who did a big time disservice to their daughter. Their daughter was about to graduate from high school and her teachers told her, Katie, you're not going to graduate. You've been laying out of classes. You've been lazy with your assignments. You've not turned in your assignments. You've not taken the test. You've not even been here. 
If this continues, if you don't straighten up these last couple of months of your senior year, you're not going to be able to walk with your class. Well, Katie didn't straighten up. Finally, it got down right before graduation to where Katie learned she wasn't going to be able to graduate. Her parents went down to the school and they filed a lawsuit against the teachers, against that school administration, and against the school board. The teachers got together and they were ready to take a stand. But the school administration and the school board caved and told the teachers that they had to let Katie walk. Did they do Katie a service or a disservice? Respecting authority has to begin in the home with a child respecting and honoring their parents and parents teaching the child about other authority. Sometimes in Israel, the Israelites would call the king their father. They did the same with religious authorities such as the patriarchs, Father Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And the prophets in Acts chapter 7 when Stephen is about to become the first martyr of the church in his speech, he makes this point. They're religious leaders from the Old Testament calling them their uh, their fathers. In Romans 13, we are commanded as Christians to honor the governing authorities over us. In the Heidelberg Catechism, one of the prominent early Protestant catechisms, when the Protestants came out against, took their stand against the Roman Catholic Church, they produced the Heidelberg Catechism for parents to share in the home. And and one one of the points in the catechism says that I show honor, love, and faithfulness to my father and mother and to all who are set in authority over me that I submit myself with respectful obedience to all their careful instruction and discipline and that I also bear patiently their failures since it is God's will to govern us by their hand. Folks, if there was ever a king and a father who did not deserve honor and respect, it was King Saul. You can read more about King Saul in 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel and about Saul's son, Jonathan, and Jonathan's best friend, David. David, who, was, who was, God was going to anoint to become the next king. Saul was a rascal of a man and he made decisions and he carried out actions that grieved both Jonathan and David. Saul started chasing David, trying to kill him. He became jealous of David and he realized that God was raising David up. And so Saul kept trying to chase after David and put him to death. And on at least two different occasions, David had the opportunity to kill Saul and he refused to do so. And those with David said, why Are you not killing this man? And David said, far be it from me that I should raise my hand against God's anointed. Despite Saul's failures, 
Children, your parents may not always deserve it. They may have failures of their own. Leaders across the board in society may disappoint you and have failures. Governing authorities, authorities at church. Guess what? Let Jonathan and David be an example to you. Now, what about if parents or authorities ask us to disobey God? That's a tricky one where we've got to exercise some caution. But we do find several cases in the Bible that called for civil disobedience. Where God would tell somebody to do one thing and the authorities would try to squelch that and tell them to do something else. I think of, of the apostles in the early chapters of the book of Acts when the authorities said, you've got to quit preaching in the name of Jesus. And they said, you judge whether it's right that we should obey God or obey men. As for us, we're going to obey God. Think also of the Hebrew midwives in Exodus chapter 1 who disobeyed Pharaoh this may in fact be one reason why the New Testament why Paul says obey your parents in the Lord in the Lord as long as they're not asking you to disobey God your higher allegiance Jesus said, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. I've shared with you before, with a good ending to the story I want to say, but how when God called me into the ministry, my dad was furious. He would not support me. He would not pay for my schooling. He even went to our pastor in Charlotte and he demanded that, that our pastor talk me out of it. His whole motive was not because he hated God. His whole motive is because unfortunately just about his entire life he had been in bad churches where let me say unhealthy churches. Let me say it that way. Where even though he had some good and godly leaders in the church, people would chew them up and spit them out. And he had seen churches do that over and over and over again. And he said, I'm done with it, and I surely don't want my son to, to be a part of that. That was his motive for being so opposed to me. But you know what? I knew God had called me. And so I started preparations. I took out loans that, by the way, I didn't get paid off until Connie and I were here at Pitts. Seriously. But again, as I say, fortunately, my dad came around. And became one of my biggest supporters. So a happy ending to the story. But what I'm saying is, we obey our parents 
in the Lord. We have a higher authority, God. We must obey God rather than men. There are countless stories of children who know that God has called them to the foreign mission field. And their parents became their biggest opponents because their parents were afraid of what might happen to their children on the mission field. Parents, let me say to you, please don't ever ask your children to disobey God. Don't ever put them in that position if God's called them to do something. You know what? If God's called them to do something, God can take care of them. And if the worst thing happens to them, they're still in God's hands and there's no better place to be than that. Now thirdly, Let's talk about some applications for today. Number one, honoring father and mother means obeying them and respecting them. We've made that point. Actions and words should show this. What do your words and your attitudes and actions towards your parents say about you? And say about your obedience to God? Secondly, it also includes how we speak about our parents to our friends. Do you get out your door and get with friends at football games and parties and various outings and curse and demean your parents and gossip about them in very unflattering ways? It means valuing their wisdom and their counsel from having lived longer than us and having more experience with life. Believe it or not, they have more wisdom than you do. Now true, you may have had calculus and your parents only had algebra. But there's more to wisdom than book learning. There is wisdom and discernment that can only come with experience. And experience that can only come with years. Whether you realize it or not, there, there is wisdom that they have to teach you whether you acknowledge it or not. Getting a mortgage... Taking out loans. Their career. Decisions they have to make in their career. I could go on and on with decisions like that. That your parents have had to make. That you've not had to face those experiences. So they have a wisdom and a discernment that you don't have in matters like that. Even if you're more educated than they are with books. And I'm not demeaning book learning. I love book learning. I love education. But I'm just saying there, there's a learning that you can't get from books. Fourth, it also means helping our parents as they age. One of the biggest confrontations Jesus had with the religious leaders. Remember how he said in Mark 7, you, set, you conveniently set aside the word of God 
for your traditions. And he gave them an example. You see, back, back then, they, they didn't have social security systems like we have today. So as people aged, their social security system was their family. You would take care uh, of your elders. In fact, Paul says in 1 Timothy, if you don't take care of your elders, you're worse than an unbeliever. But what the religious leaders were doing is they would build up their wealth and their resources. They would declare it to be Corbin, what they called Corbin. And what Corbin meant is, mom and dad, these resources that I could have used to help you as you've gotten older, these are now dedicated to God, off limits to you, I can't help you. And Jesus has some scathing words to say about them because of that. Here's one that speaks to us today. Do you realize in surveys only one half of Americans report that they think that they have any responsibility towards their parents as their parents age? Again, just look at the example of Jesus as Jesus was hanging on the cross dying. Who was he concerned about himself? No. He was concerned about his mother. His half-siblings his half had not come to believe in him yet. And so he looked out at John, the apostle John, and said, Son, behold your mother. Mother, behold your son. And he entrusted the care of his mother to John. He cared for his mother. One more application. And it's the biggest one of all. Honor and respect your heavenly father. That applies to all of us every single day. The book of Colossians says, in all that we do, Colossians 3.17, in all that you do, whether in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and to His honor and glory. Everything. You and I are not our own. We've been bought with a price. We're to honor God. So let this fifth commandment apply to you in that regard too. Honor your heavenly Father. Regardless of your age, do you honor and respect your parents? If not, then you need to make some things right and you need to seek their forgiveness if they're still living. And you need to do it now. There's a saying that says... Dead noses smell no roses. Do it now. What attitudes and actions need to change in you? Do you speak harsh words to your parents? Do you refuse to, to talk to them? Do you treat them as though they're stupid? 
Do you run them down to your friends? If so, I want to tell you, God is not pleased with that. God is not pleased. Maybe a grown adult here needs to circle back around to a parent that they've not been right with for years and get things right. You're never too old. You say, Pastor, but, but you don't know what, what I faced. Maybe so, but let me suggest this. And it's what I prayed at the beginning today. Only perfect children can criticize imperfect parents. Maybe somebody here needs to honor the Heavenly Father by coming to His Son. In 1 John, the Bible says, this is God's command that you believe in the name of His only begotten Son. You honor Him when you come to Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word and just how powerfully it speaks to our everyday life. Lord, thank You for giving us these commandments and the way that they are repeated in some form or fashion in the New Testament. God, help us to honor our parents. Whatever age they may be, they deserve our honor and respect. Lord, I pray for families today that have been struggling and there's rebellion in the home. Lord, I pray that if a young person is here listening to this and they have a part in that, that you would use your word to bring about a change in their lives. And God, as parents, help us always to lead our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Help us to guide them correctly. And Lord, help us that we would never ask them to do something that would be in disobedience to you. I pray for the one that needs to trust Christ. Heavenly Father, I know that would be the joy of your heart because the Bible says all the angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner who repents. So Lord, speak to that person today who needs to come to Christ. It's in Christ's name that we pray.